Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. And I want to give you a little context of what we're reading, just for those of you who may not know too much about um, the Old Testament. Now, Daniel, which we're reading from, the book of Daniel, which was a, a prophet and an intercessor of the Old Testament, he um, and his people, Israel, are in a time of captivity. They, they were Israelites, essentially, and they are in captivity in a place called Bab- Babylonia. Okay, so they were in captivity for many, many years. All throughout history, when the is Israelites would stop obeying God. God would try to use uh, captivity, their enemies capturing them to cause repentance in their heart. If you start thinking in those contexts, it's not so strange that all this stuff is going on around the globe uh, because I believe tremendously, yes, is it the enemy at work? But, but let's not discount the fact that God will sometimes use, use hardship and pain to get our attention to show us how far we've drifted off. And so this is what's happening in Daniel's life right now. And he's an intercessor praying for his people for an awakening. And here's what it says, starting at verse eight. Don't get tired on me. Nudge somebody really quick and tell them if you have to. I know pastor normally yells at you, but you're allowed to get coffee if you need to. But I need everybody to stay nice and awake and shake off the slumber really quick, okay? Are you ready? Therefore, at that certain time, the Chaldeans or the Chaldeans came forward and they accused the Jews And they spoke and said to the the wicked king, King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, and symphony with all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the gold image. And whoever does not fall and worship shall be cast in the midst of the burning furnace. There are certain Jews whom have set whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and one bad, sorry, uh, and Abednego. I'm supposed to say Abednego. Stop laughing. Abednego. These men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. In other words, they wouldn't fall down and worship him. They do not serve your gods nor worship the gold image which you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and fury, gave command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods nor worship the gold image which I have set up? Now, if you are ready at the time, You hear the sound of the horn, the flute, and the harp in symphony with all kinds of music and fall down and worship the image I have made. Good, but if not, if you do not worship, I shall cast you immediately into the midst of a burning furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning furnace and he will deliver us from your hand. 
O king, I love this, but if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury and the expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he spoke the command that they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. And he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the fiery furnace. And these men were bound in their coats and their trousers and their turbans and their other garments. And they were cast into the midst of the burning furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace was exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed the men who even stood by Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These three men fell down bound in the midst of the burning furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and he rose in haste and spoke saying to his counselors, watch this, here's the, here's the reason why I'm, why I'm here right here, this verse. Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they answered and said to them, true, O king, look, he answered, I see four men walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt and the form of the fourth is like the son of God. I want you to look at somebody and say, don't worry. You're not in this alone. Come on, look at somebody else and say, don't worry. God's in the fire with you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning furnace and spoke saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God. His song changed. Come out of here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire and the straps, satraps, and the administrators, the governors, in other words, the leaders, and the king's counselors gathered together. And they saw that these men on whose body the fire had no power, their hair the hair on their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected. Listen to this. And the smell of fire was not even on them. Amen. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Oh, I feel the Holy Spirit. Who sent his angel to deliver his servants who trusted him. And they have frustrated the king's sword and yielded their bodies. And they should not serve nor worship any other god except their own. Therefore, I make a decree that any people, nation, or language which speaks against or amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut into pieces, and their house, houses shall be made of ash and heap, because there is no other God who can deliver like this. Look at somebody and say, can't nobody do you like Jesus? I'm being funny this morning. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, in Abednego in the province of Babylon. You may have your seats. This, this word that I'm about to release this morning may not be applicable to everybody. I just need your attention for maybe 15 minutes. But it may not be applicable to just everybody. But, but I have been feeling the past several weeks the weightiness there, there, there is a, um, a negative 
symptom of being spiritually uh, sensitive to the Lord. That there is a negative symptom. And, and sometimes, okay, if, how many prophetic people in the room? I was gonna say prophetic. I was gonna, I was gonna use another word. Nobody else raised their hand. I know. Well, here's how you know if you're prophetic. Generally, moody people have a prophetic gift. Okay? Yeah, so, yeah, so he's prophetic. <laughs> you know, you see people start looking at their spouses and like, you're like that. <laughs> it's not a bad thing, okay? So, so they're not loose cannons. Here's, here's, here's the real issue. When you are extremely discernful or moody, it is a sign that you have some kind of uh, spiritual gift. We call it the gift of the prophetic. There are uh, gifts of the spirit. We are gift of the prophetic. There are nine major gifts of the spirit. Okay, there are, there are more giftings, but generally it starts off with the word of prophecy, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, gift of faith, healings, miracles, tongues, interpretation of tongues, discerning of spirits. Now this is in 1 Corinthians, and this is, everybody has at least one. Everybody is gifted to a degree. And there are also nine fruit of the spirits that would correlate or should be married to the gifts of the spirit. Does that make sense? You know, grandma told you about the nine fruits of the spirit. She had that, you know, thing up on the refrigerator, maybe. I don't know. You know, you know the nine gifts of the spirit. They'll have like an apple or a piece of fruit. Because you need fruit with the gift. You understand? So, like, say for the gift of miracles, what, what fruit should be associated with that? Patience. Because miracles oftentimes are not instantaneous. So you'll need patience and endurance to hold on to the horns of the altar until God breaks through and gives you that miracle that you're in need of. So you need the fruit of the Spirit with the gifts. But listen, what happens to the gifted person prophetically is they'll go into a room and their moods always change. See, when they're not mature enough to understand that I'm not supposed to own the feeling in the room, like when you get into a room and you can sense the feeling in that room, many prophetic people who don't know how to filter that out and pray against that, whatever they're feeling in the room, they own it. They start owning it and wearing the mood of the room instead of praying through because God only shows a prophetic person what's in a room to pray through it and to contend against it so that God's presence can overtake a room and change the circumstance. But many people who are prophetic who don't understand that they haven't been trained spiritually, they will go through moodiness a lot of time because they're like antennas. You ever been driving through the hills of West Virginia or North Carolina and you're like, where did that station come from? And you were listening to Z88.3 and all of a sudden it changes to something else and, you know, and it starts singing stuff that you're like, drop it like what? <laughs> That's because the antenna from the car started picking up stuff that was in proximity to you. Prophetic people are like this. And they're like, I don't know why I'm moody all the time. You're probably prophetic. Some people are just pathetic. But generally speaking, prophetic people pick up on stuff and don't know how to filter or contend and pray through it to change the situation. Well, so that's the downside of being prophetic. And recently, I have been picking up some things like, you know, if one person is going through something, you can pass that off as happenstance. But if many different people are going through things, 
it's something, generally it's something spiritual going on in the atmosphere. And, and I can handle one thing going wrong or maybe even two things going wrong. Generally in my life, I got about a hundred. But when you have several things going wrong, more times than not, everybody is going through something, especially if you're a part of a community, a spiritual community and a family. Is everybody hearing what I'm saying right now? And, and I have been discerning as of late that our faith as the body, our faith as the church, and when I, say, when I say the church, I don't mean this church. I mean we are the church. I mean the body of Christ at large, and I truly believe that our faith has been under fire spiritually. Anytime that you feel the enemy whispering doubt, like, hey, this is over, or you feel like one thing is happening, uh, or, or several things are happening simultaneously, you get over one molehill and then you're met with a more of a mountain and that mountain turns into a valley and then you find yourself climbing another mountain and there's this up and down roller coaster and opposition after opposition if it's not your job giving you problems and it's maybe a spouse if it's not the spouse it's the teenager who's out there doing stupid stuff that they shouldn't be doing come on can I talk like that in the church silly stuff everything happening all at one time and here's the reason why this kind of thing happens in the body of Christ. Because the enemy, if he cannot uh, get you to denounce Jesus or he can't get you to walk away from Jesus, what he wants to do is he wants to create so much hell around you so that you won't enjoy Jesus. He wants to steal life, the flavor of life. He wants to uh, cause, this, cause life to lose its flavor, its color, he doesn't want you to enjoy the presence of God. He wants to put you through so much chaos that, that it stifles your faith because the enemy wants your faith to work in reverse. You know what the enemy, we may not know this, but either God and the enemy are training us all at the same time. I know you may not want to think it. Here's what the enemy trains us to do. Are you ready? Touch your neighbor and say, get ready. He's been, he's been out for a week. Ever since you were a little boy and a little girl, the Lord has been trying to get your attention and so has the enemy. And they've both been trying to train you. God, Jesus has been trying to train you in righteousness. Don't go there, daughter. Don't date him. Don't talk to that person. I wouldn't associate with him if I were you always trying to lead you in righteousness because God has a perfect will for your life. But don't make any mistakes about it. The enemy has a will for your life. And he's been training you that he rejected you, she rejected you. People will always reject you. He wants to train you that relationships never really work. He caused mom and dad's relationship to fail. He wants your relationships to fail. He wants you to look at every male figure, including your husband, as a, as a failure. And people will always ultimately disappoint you. Does everybody hear what I'm saying? He will, the enemy will try to cause financial hardship over and over and over in your life. And he wants to kill your faith. That's called faith under fire. Because he wants you to believe that poverty is your lot. He's training you. Do you know what people do when they, uh, can we get these up, Michael, wherever you're at? So do you know what people, uh, trafficking, human trafficking is a really big thing right now. Did you know that? Disney was just, uh, there's a lot of people who are um, working for Disney. There's somebody at uh, a recent high school who was a part of this sting 
many different people. I mean, blue-collared guys, men, women who are part of this uh, operation of trafficking, human trafficking. It's a big thing here in the States as well. Now, their goal is to get children at a really young age. And why is that? Grooming, grooming, grooming. Do you know what grooming is? When they tr- this, is why, this is why the enemy uses people to, to hurt children at a young age because if he can sow the seed early, that child would be groomed in unrighteousness until they get older so that that girl will never see men as a good thing but only as a threat. See? And he wants the enemy to use people to, to damage our love, our hearts, so that we can never fully adequately love people. Do you understand? So the enemy is always after trying to groom, groom us because he wants to put our faith under fire because if the enemy can get us to think just negatively in life, the Bible says, as a man or woman thinketh, so is he or she. So, so fear works much like faith. Faith causes us to attain things and walk into the promises of God, but fear also brings things. There's a man in the Bible, his name was Job. He says, the thing that I feared the most has come upon me. And so fear will cause us to do things. But, but here's the thing. God wants to use difficult circumstances in our lives to train us how to be warriors in God's kingdom. Okay, I want you to think about this. God chose you. Look at someone and say you. To be born, to be alive, in this time here and now, the most difficult time in history. So, so yeah, it, it'll make sense later because here's the reality. Why am I going through what I'm going through? Our other generations know they didn't go through it because they, they weren't meant for right now. It, it's going to take people with spiritual grit to handle what's coming, to be able to lead a family through what's coming, to be able to handle the challenges because of what's coming. I had a dream. It was about two years ago. I didn't understand what this dream meant. You want to know what the dream was? I was standing in a, a Marriott. I was standing in a Marriott, and I'm not a huge dreamer, but I've had about 10 of them that shook me to my core, and this was one of them. I was standing in like a Marriott, and the whole front of it was glass. Glass, just glass. I could see, I couldn't see the end of the ocean. It was just, I could literally see the horizon. I could see the horizon. This wasn't in my notes to tell you this, but as I was standing in this, there was everybody behind me in the, they were all, nobody was looking at this beautiful view. I love the outdoors. I was just looking in the horizon. I feel the Lord. I was looking in the horizon, such a beautiful sea of glass. Everybody, you could hear glasses clinging, people cheers, and everybody's eating, everybody's enjoying themselves. And I was looking into the horizon, but all of the sudden, there was this huge wave that, that was so tall that it darkened the sun. Everybody was fine, and I was, I was, I was stirred. I'm like, these people aren't seeing this wave. They're not seeing it's coming. And it darkened this whole place. And I just remember telling everybody, get up to the third floor. Now, dreams are never, ever, usually, dreams are never, correct me if I'm wrong, Tamaki, she's my dream interpreter back there. Sorry to put you on the spot. They are usually never literal, never. Visions are, those are very rare. Vision could be literal, but dreams are usually symbolic of what's gonna happen, okay? Say symbolic, symbolic. 
not literal. And so I knew that there was something coming to America. This was before COVID. I knew there there was something that was coming to the U.S. and to the globe that we were not ready for. Do you know there's a Bible scripture where Jesus says that when the Son of Man is coming, everybody's going to be marrying and giving into marriage and going to feast and everybody's busy doing their own business, not doing the kingdom business, and suddenly the Lord's coming is going to take place? Come on, am I talking about? This is the Bible I'm talking about. So how does God get us ready when we don't hear his voice? He uses circumstances. When we, my son had a dream last night. Is Cohen not in the room? He woke up, he was five something in the morning. He was awake in the room. I heard him in there tinkering. Did people use that word? I'm a country boy. He was tinkering. I go and I said, what are you tinkering for? What are you doing? I hear you scurrying, playing with his toys. He was counting his change. He said, daddy, I can't sleep. I had a bad dream. And he told me the dream. And I said, son, well, this isn't literal. We have to pray through it. And it was about somebody, a family member, And he said, somebody came in and was shooting and this and that. I said, son, here's how you pray. And I prayed him through it. I said, that represents spiritual warfare, son. We have to pray. We have to pray through it. And I said, do you know why God oftentimes speaks to you in dreams? I said, because you're a little boy and you're always busy. I said, God oftentimes speaks to us through dreams because we are too busy for him throughout the day. And it's the only time we're still enough for him to be able to speak. And so I led him on how to pray. But listen, when we're not sensitive to the Holy Spirit... We want to spend time reading his word and in prayer and meditation, just listening to the Lord. When he can't lead us in that fashion, he'll use people. He will use hardship. He will use pain. Why does he do that? He does it to develop Christ-like character. And I believe that he's doing it on a massive level, not just in this church or in the church at large, but the globe, because he's making us ready for what is coming. So my point number one is that we are in a time of testing right now. Anybody in a time of testing? Can I see a show of hands? You're being tested in some way, shape, or form, some area of your life. Your profession in Christ will be tested. What you believe will be tested. I can't tell you how many people who shout, scream, holler about the blessings of God, and then they go through trials, tribulations, and testing, and what they have professed in the light, they're no longer singing that in the dark. So when you're going through good times, listen, if this message isn't for you, don't think for one second that you shouldn't be here. If I were you, I'd put this message in your back pocket, because if you don't need it now, you might need it tomorrow. What we didn't see on TV, couldn't fathom to be on our television, on regular TV, I couldn't fathom, and I'm only 37 years old, I couldn't fathom as a kid seeing what I'm seeing now. I turn on the TV now, and I'm like, whoa, my kids are seeing this kind of stuff? We're living in like the days of Noah. We have to start building the boat, getting ready for what's coming. So listen, instead of, God, why are you testing me? You ought to start thanking the Lord. Thank you for testing me. And think about it like this. God trusted you to choose you, I mean you, to be here right now living in this day, living in the last days for such a time as this. And one of those tests will come. Can I tell you one of the ultimate tests? The ultimate tests is when you stand for righteousness in your family and those closest to you who love you, you love very dearly, will reject you.
You don't find out where you're really at for people until you, with, where you're at with people until you stand for something. Everybody's all cool as long as you smoke with them, as long as you hang out with them. You better not be smoking. I just, you know, I see a couple different faces in here. I'm trying to make it real practical. As long as you agree with them, as long as you go to the movies with them, but then you start saying, hey, I don't, you know, look at that kind of stuff. You know, I, I can't go to this one tonight. That lasts past 12 o'clock. When you start building standards in your life. I remember when I first got saved, I had a whole lot of friends, a whole lot of friends. And once I stopped doing what I was doing, I still tried to be friends with them. And then I started finding out they weren't really my friends. They were better friends with the stuff I was doing. And this is one of the tests in the body is, is this is a, can I give you a strong scripture that's not in my notes? My brother got really mad. My brother, uh, one of my brothers got really mad at me. This was back when I first got saved and I stopped doing some things I was doing. And I remember verbally saying this and he was, he was fuming mad. He got red faced. I'll tell who it is. It was Matt. <laughs> He's not in here. Good. That's good. Keep him back there. And he started saying, you know, you know, because when you're young, you say things and you're walking with the Lord and I'm just fresh out of the press like a year. And, uh, you know, I'm like, I'm not living that way. And you, you get a little judgmental. I know you've never been judgmental before. And I, and I said to him, I said, uh, you know, I'm not living that way anymore and you shouldn't either. And I just went on and on and on. And he said, well, I'm your brother. I think he was trying to get me to hang out. He said, I'm your brother. And I pulled out the Bible. And I read this scripture where Jesus' brothers and sisters came to go get him because they thought Jesus was off. They thought he was off. Do you remember that? He was in a house. He was preaching, ministering, healing the sick. And the brothers and sisters were waiting outside. Mom was outside. They came to go get him. And he said, hey, Jesus, your, parent, your, your mom is outside and your siblings. And he said these words. And this is what I said to Matt. Who is my brother? Who is my mother? Those who do the will of God. And Matt just, I mean, he wanted to beat me up because they beat me up a lot when I was growing up. But, but do you, do you, can I say this to you, saints? In these last days, Jesus said it like this. Strong words. This is strong words. But they don't pay me a lot, so I don't, you know, I don't mind if you don't come back. No, I'm just kidding. I want you to stay. But listen. He said, if any man doesn't love me more than his mother, more than his father, is not worthy of me. This is Jesus' words. I didn't write it. He said, if, if, you, if you're not willing, he, he wasn't saying don't love your family. Love them. Be committed to them. Jesus has a big family. Actually, in the book of Revelation, this is what it's all climaxing towards is us having a big feast at a wedding table with family. He's saying your love and commitment to me should dwarf your earthly relationships. And so we must, I know I'm not going to get a whole lot of amens because I'm like an 80-year-old trapped in a 30-something-year-old's body. But our love for the Lord must always come first. And, and, I, and I've, got a, I've got a feeling, I've got, I was reading something the other day where there was a child who was practicing a certain lifestyle. This was yesterday. It was yesterday. And I love everybody. I mean, I have 
people that I love dearly that are living alternative lifestyle, love them dearly. I can't just run with them, but love them dearly. Reach out to them. Let them know about the love of God. The thing that makes me upset in Christianity is we're not very Christ-like. And we should be. Love everybody, no matter their lifestyle, culture, upbringing, any of that stuff. We don't reject people. You can reject things without rejecting people. Amen? I told somebody the other day that was living a whole nother lifestyle. I said, look, I'm not leaving you. I'm just, I'm gonna leave that door open right there and I'm gonna go step outside there and you can come along when you're ready, but I can't be in this room. That's love. Boundaryless love is not love at all. And so my whole point is we are never we are never supposed to elevate earthly relationships or commitments above our heavenly father uh, the commitment we have with our heavenly father and with Christ amen we must value his principles above all others come on somebody say amen do we still believe that these days i watched this clip from uh, a sermon preached it was one of the largest churches in america right now large i mean i think they have um they probably have churches in hell too. I mean, they're everywhere. They're like, that was funny. They're like everywhere all over the globe, like literally on every continent, it seems. Very big church. I won't mention the name. I don't think that's edifying, but I watched this video of a clip. They invited a guest speaker. I'm like, why did they invite this guy? Because this guy I know to be a little bit um, uh, truthful in preaching the word of God. So he got invited to this mega church Nothing. I think there's a lot of good mega churches. This one in particular is a little on the soft serve side of ice cream. You know, softer, you know, a little bit more seeker friendly. And this, this gentleman preaches and, you know, you, normally they'll have like a, uh, uh, you know, those clips, highlights from the, from the different speakers were at this, that were at this conference. It was at one of their anniversaries. Well, they nixed him. Do you know what nix means? They nixed him. They took him off of the highlights because he preached a message called, it's not about you. And he started preaching and he's like, hey, it's not about what the church has done, not about how many salvations you got. This is about Christ, exalting Christ, how we can bring glory to God. He started preaching that way, which in my opinion is the true gospel. This is not about us. Our life is not about us. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that you were bought with a price. You're not your own, amen? Do we still believe that, that, that the gospel is not about just us? Great if God gives you an awesome car. Praise God. But don't, don't think that just because somebody doesn't have the nicest car, God's not with them too. Come on. Amen? So, so the sign of our success is, is, is not an indicator of whether Christ is with us or not. The, the sign that if Jesus is with us or not or in our hearts is, is uh, whether or not we live a holy life. That is really a sign of whether or not God is with us. Come on, somebody say amen louder than that. Because the Holy Spirit gives us power to be witnesses, our life to be written epistles read by all men. That's the sign and seal of the Holy Spirit. And another sign is what we desire. You know what the sign of, of, of you know, what is the first thing to go when somebody's sick? What is the first, come on, what is the first thing to go? When somebody is sick, they lose what? Their appetite. Their appetite. So a sign of the residence of the Holy Spirit is your hunger for the things of God. Does that make sense? 
This, it's easy to know when you're drifting because your appetite goes first. Before you fall into sin, always remember this. This is a good one. If your spiritual appetite starts to dwindle from the things of God, it's not long after that. It's not long after that. How do you keep eating? You ever ate and gone to bed and like, or were you eating a little too much? It kind of gets you in a mode of eating all the time and then your appetite grows. This is how the spirit works. When you feed on the word of God, daily bread, weekly, monthly, yearly, what is it? Daily, daily bread. And the more you feed yourself, the more you'll increase in hunger. I'll be done in just a moment. Is everybody okay this morning? Here's, here's my point this morning. Do not be tempted to fold in the fire. Everybody ever feel, anybody ever feel like you go through this over and over again? Something over and over again? Like, why am I going through this? Whether it's relationships, finances, troubles, sicknesses, this pattern, this pattern. It's, this is not always the issue. It can be a spiritual issue. But you have to ask yourself a question do I keep failing this test? And I believe that we are all going through a mighty test right now in this season of our lives. Point number two, do not bow in the test. When you are thrown in the fire of life, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and I want you to put your name in that. Anybody feel like they're in a fire this morning? I got a feeling it's more than one person. I see one person's hand go up. I feel like it's more than, it's at least two people in here. They're going through something. Do not bow. Look at somebody and say, do not bow. I have, I have never seen believers like I've seen now so hateful and hurtful towards one another. I've never seen it in my life. And you know what we start to do? When the pressure gets hot, we bow. Let me make it practical. I have seen people come to me and say, Pastor, I really need a job. You know, I'm really hurting. I got, I've got to, I need to start making money like yesterday. And then the first thing the devil brings along is, you know, can I just say it? Maybe I shouldn't say it. Bring a, they'll bring, he'll bring a job that will be uh, compromising to, to the life you profess. I had a friend of mine who was a bona fide believer, loved the Lord. And he said, you know, I'm really, really thinking about taking this job. I love the Lord. I know I serve at the church and um, it's out of cannabis. And I'm not saying that there's not medical, uh, th this can't be a solution. And maybe in some cases, I'm going to be light on this. I have my personal convictions on that. But for me, <laughs> I'm just going to stand on the word. That's, that's just going to be me for me. But, but you're not going to tell me that the Lord is going to send you. Uh, uh, a, he's not going to bless you with a job that is going to harm the name of Christ in your life. Can I just say it like that? He's not going to put you, he'll put you in, in some dark situations, maybe with a dark boss so that you can shine the light. But, but, but he's not going to put you in a position where you cannot uh, shine the light of Christ. Amen? In other words, you can't, you can't do the devil's you know, dirty work and then say you know, you're a believer. And so, so, but this is what the enemy will do. He will, he will cause you to go to a, to a financial hardship. And here's what bowing looks like. You can't afford to tithe. 
bow. You don't have any money come in. So if I were you, I would just take the job. When you start elevating, when you start elevating things above his godly principles that he's put in his word, you're bowing. Come on, does everybody hear what I'm saying this morning? God will never, God will never be okay with us elevating anything above his word. As a matter of fact, and I'm gonna quote it, it says that he elevates his word even above his name. That's what the book of Psalms says. His word above his name. That's strong. The book of Psalms says it. He elevates his word. Say his word goes above his name even. His word, because his word cannot lie. Neither can he, but, but he, we are, he is known by his principles. There's people who know me, but they don't know all of me. Like if somebody says something bad, you know, behind my, I've heard people say, oh, he's this or that. But people who know me will say, they'll discount that right away. No, he didn't. That's not his character. There's a lot of people who, who, who say they know God, but they don't know enough of his character to say they know him. They've made up this illusion of who God is in their mind. Like, yes, Jesus is your homeboy, but he's also holy. He's also holy. Yes, he's graceful. He, wants to, he doesn't want to allow you to stay in that situation. He wants to rescue you out of it. Come on. I want, look, at the, look at the response of Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. Listen to this. Everybody say, don't bow. Don't bow. They said, if that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand. O king, but if not, let it be known to you that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the golden image which you have set up. Everybody say, don't bow. Believers don't fight with their fist. We fight with our faith. All I want to challenge y'all with this morning is fight with your faith. Whatever you're going through, fight with your faith and keep the faith. Do not allow situations to break you. Don't allow financial hardship to break you. Don't allow marital status to break you. Don't allow even sickness, as hard as it might be, to hold on to the word of God. Do not allow it to break you. Fight with your mouth, not people, but fight the devil. As tempting as it might be to say something to a person, <laughs> some things, you know, speak in tongues and you say some things you shouldn't say, Go in your prayer closet and speak and decree into that situation. We fight with our mouth, with our faith. Decree a thing, pray for them, love on them. The Bible says even when you put good, you know, good words on people, it becomes like coal on their heads. Don't fight with your, don't fight with your fist. Fight with your faith. Say fight with your faith. No matter how worldly the world gets, it doesn't mean that you have to bow. No matter how hard your situation gets, it doesn't mean you have to bow. Do you, do you want to know I've seen the most anointed people? are people who have not bowed in difficult situations. Don't bow. What does don't bow mean? Let me just, let me just, let me just say it. If somebody leaves you and the first thing you want to do is go date another person or to go get your love needs met, looking for kids in whatever way, don't bow. Don't, don't you bow. Somebody leaves you, talks about you, don't talk about them back. Don't bow. 
I don't care how hard it gets financially, always make sure you honor God with your finances in whatever way that looks like. Don't bow. People who bow do not get trusted with his anointing. Do you you know what was happening? Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. You know what Jesus, remember when he was in the wilderness? Remember those few weeks I was preaching on the three temptations in the wilderness? What was the devil trying to get him? Thank you, Holy Spirit. He said, if you will, I will give you all these kingdoms and their glory if you will fall down and worship me, if you will bow. Don't bow. Because you know what God's looking for? He's looking for a body of believers where he can entrust his glory to. I said this the other day, and I could choke every time I say it. I had a dream about my old pastor. He passed away now. And I asked the Lord, I said, you know, things were really rocking in the world back in the 90s and 2000. God was pouring out his spirit in a whole lot of different places. I mean, he was doing radical things. The Lord, I'm saying the Lord, in different pockets of the country. And I don't see him doing that like that now. Yes, there's a lot of great things going on. There's a lot of great things, but I'm not discounting that. But not like he was moving in the past. And I asked the Lord, because we're friends, you know, we talk. And I said, why aren't you moving in that way anymore, Lord? You know what he said to me? He said, my servants have lost my trust. We always talk about trusting God, trusting God. Do you trust the Lord? That's not the issue. Can he trust you? Can he trust you not to bow? Can he trust you when the winds of life bend you? Will you break? What do you run to when when, when all of your nerves are shot and and, and the pressures of life are coming? Are you going to bow or are you going to run to the word, run to your prayer closet, run to the best friend, the friend that sticks closer than a brother? When somebody triggers you and those little childhood issues come up and spark up and could cause you to be triggered into drinking or whatever it might be or you know, the other stuff, I got kids in the room, relationships or whatever it is to satisfy that, those longings that are in your heart, are you going to bow or are you going to worship? And God is looking for a company of people who are tried and they are tested, who he can once again, if he's going to pour out his glory, where's my revival thing? There it is over there. If he's going to pour out the fire on a generation, Remember Joel chapter 2, verse 22, he says, In the last days I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. My sons and daughters will prophesy. You know, I talk about the glory of God being poured out, but here's the issue. Are we going to bow under pressure, or is God going to find a company of people who refuse to bow and entrust them with the glory? That's what's supposed to happen. Everybody, come on. Am I talking to to you this morning? Everybody say, God, I want to be trusted with your power and with your glory, help me to not bow. Say, I won't bow. Psalms 24, I know I'm going long today. Is this okay? My friend told me the other day, he said, if I keep preaching like this, he said, the glory, he said, people might not stay, but the glory is gonna come. In so many words. He's holy. He's holy. I'm I'm so tired of this watered down stuff. He's looking for a holy people. And don't don't get anything, don't, don't get it wrong. We cannot be holy in our own strength. This is by the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not by might. 
It's not by power, but it's by the Spirit. Psalms 24, verse 3 through 4. I need just a couple more minutes. Can I have it? Psalms 24, verse 3 through 4. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? It doesn't say this, but I'm going to say it. Those who don't bow. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord and stand in his holy place? In other words, who is God going to partner with? You see that? Who is he going to trust? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol nor sworn deceitfully, who won't bow. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. Blessed is the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart. Purity speaks of purity. Speaks of not bowing. Do you know for three years I couldn't hear the present, feel, hear God's voice, see, uh, feel His presence, nothing, and and I didn't didn't feel like I did anything wrong. It was I went through this hardship. You ever gone? You ever be? You ever been walking with the Lord and then all of a sudden just everything just goes wrong? Never. And you're like, what did I do? I was going through one of those seasons. Like, what did I do here? Something went, something wrong? What, what you don't like me? <laughs> you know? No, it wasn't one of those things. But I, but I honestly couldn't understand the hardships because I seen that as something, uh, maybe I did something wrong. But now I understand all these years later, now that his, oh, I was going to say this the other day. Like, you, you, you can almost sense, like, uh, just God's, the softness or the stillness of his presence in a lot of these, uh, these services. Like you could just, can you, when you come in, can you just feel, I do, I do, maybe it's just me. But can I tell you, a great stench preceded this fragrance. Do you know what I mean by that? Is that when the priests, they would come to the altars in the Old Testament, before God's presence would fall on the offering, they would burn the lamb and there would be a great stench sacrifice. That's what it means. There would be a great stench. And then when they got into the Holy of Holies, you know, I'll, I'll teach you on that again one day. When they got into the Holy of Holies, there was a fragrance because of the incense and the incense of the Lord. Listen, I want to I wanna, I wanna prophesy by faith. This is by faith to each and every one of you. You know how we say this too will pass? I say this stench will pass. And every, any person who ever has the fragrance of the Lord, you know what I mean by that? Like the peace and the blessings of God in their lives. They have to go through a season of sometimes suffering, hardship, and pain before the presence of God shows up in their lives. But here's the beauty of it. You ready? You can be in this season, face the enemy, go through hardship, go through pain, go through challenges, and leave unscathed. You can. Look at somebody and say, you can. You can. Should I read it again? It says, the Bible says that they didn't even have the smell. I know what I've gone through, many of you. I can't tell he, his father got murdered. Can't tell. I can't tell that he was rejected. Can't tell he was living on the streets a couple of years from the age of 15. Can't tell. I can't tell she'd been through a divorce. I can't tell she'd been rejected. I can't tell she's been molested. I can't tell that everybody had left her. I can't tell she's broke. Can't tell what they've been through. Come on, somebody say amen. This is how you know the Lord is with you. 
when you don't smell like you should, when the hardship and the trials don't break you. I see it. I see it. There's a fourth man in the fire and he looks as unto the son of man. And you know what? Here's the reality. Stand to your feet. I could go on and on about this. I better quit. If I don't have you stand, I'm just going to keep on going. But he's got to go to, you know, work. Fire cannot consume fire. This is why I always talk about the fire of God. If somebody has situations in their lives and I start talking about the glory and the presence of God, like why does pastor do that, you know? I'm going through hardship, you know? This is falling apart or that's falling apart. And here he is talking about the glory and the presence of God. Do you know why? Because I know that no amount of laying hands is gonna change your situation. but it can change you. So the whole idea is to get Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know why they didn't burn? Because their temperature equaled the heat in the furnace. And this is what we have to do. So I'm always about getting people to catch the fire. Because I know, because listen, people want hands laid on them and them to be prophesied out of their situation. And here's the thing, here's the reason. Nine times out of 10, not every time. Sometimes you're going through hell and high water and it's the enemy. Excuse me, nine times out of 10, it's the Lord. And that one time out of 10, it's the enemy, right? But you cannot graduate out of a testing. I can't pray for somebody to be delivered out of a situation that God has put them in. To test you, to try you. To build you, to show you his love, to show you his names. But here's what I can do. I can, here's what I can do. I can try to help people catch the fire so that what's in them. See, the heat didn't destroy Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. And he was one bad His faith, their faith. There will always be trouble. Always be trouble. Always somebody who's hurting you. Always a circumstance to complain about. The only way to survive this side of heaven is to be on fire for the Lord. That's the only thing. That will never change. We have to change. How does that change? I know I talk about intimacy with the Lord a lot because really that's the only thing that really matters because I'm sure if you're past 30 you find out you have already found out no man and no woman has satisfied you yet no job has satisfied you yet no circumstance you thought the marriage would be the end there all the church would be the end there all it's an endless mirage that the goalpost keeps moving it never ends it only ends when we finally come to the place where he becomes your all and all that's the only place that the heart will find ultimate rest 
everything else really truly is a lie. It's only icing on the cake. It's not the cake. He's the cake. <laughs> I said, he's the cake. And he takes the whole cake. And once you taste and see, he's the only thing that can ultimately satisfy. And so lastly, I'll say this last thing. I want to encourage you that he is in the fire, Shadrach. He's in the fire, Mahdi. He's in the fire, Sharon. He's in the fire, Stephanie. He's in the fire, Rick. And for all of you, he's in the fire with you. I said, he's in the fire. I see a fourth man. Loose walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt and the form of the fourth is like a son of man you know how I know it was Jesus because angels in the Bible don't receive worship they will tell you to get up and not worship this fourth man received so all throughout the Old Testament the Old Testament speaks of Jesus he's Joseph who was thrown in the pit and sold by his brothers Jesus went to the pit and took the keys from the devil all throughout the Bible, in the book of Daniel, Jesus was the fourth man in the fire who snatches his people out of hell. Even today, Jesus is still the fourth man in the fire. All throughout the Bible, the New Testament testifies of Jesus. Foreshadows and pictures. Father, everybody lift your hands. Father, as I release your people, I thank you, I thank you for giving them a, a stark reminder that you are the fourth man in the fire with them. No matter what they're facing today, no, ma no matter what hardship, no matter what trial, obstacle, mountain they're facing, no matter if it's sickness, no matter if it's a financial issue, you are in the fire with them and you have every intention on delivering them. But you want to prove something to them. And I believe that the Lord is proving something to many of you this morning. He's proving to you that you can not only survive the storm, but he needs you to go through that so that people can see what you went through and see that you've come out of that. And because Jesus was in the fire with you, you won't even smell like what you've been through. You won't even have the smell of smoke, not one hair on your head, not one emotional issue, not no, no, no soulish baggage you'll walk out of this thing with. Yes, I believe that. I believe that, that Lord, you will keep them in the midst of this fire and more than that Jesus I pray I pray Lord that your people would get to know a side of you that they had not seen before may they come to know you as deliverer and I thank you that you are a mighty deliverer thanks so much for joining us we hope this message impacted you today if you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.